welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. This is episode number 323, and we're doing a special bonus episode. If you are a loyal listener of the podcast and kind of follow our normal release schedule, you know that we typically don't release episodes on Fridays as we are today. This episode is a bit different uh, in that it's not a hunting story, it's not about hunting tactics or anything like that, but it's more about something auxiliary to us as hunters, and that is firearm storage and security. I won't go into the full background of how this episode came together, because you'll hear that as I begin to speak with Tom Kubinek of Securit, but essentially they had reached out to us and it was a perfect storm where I had all already seen their products and was interested in them and wanted to learn more about them. And so I was personally eager to have this conversation and learn about these products and thought it would be helpful for the listeners as well. And that's why we're having this episode today. So whether you are interested in products from Securit or not, a lot of what I took out of this conversation was just learning more about firearm storage, security, good practices, and some of the concerns that are out there when it comes to safes and the safe market in general, which we all get into in this episode. So guys, you can check out the links in the show description for more, both from Securit as well as some supplemental information. But right now, here's this bonus episode with Tom Kubinek of Securit. Welcome to the Hunt Back Country Podcast. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. When Seth booked this, I was excited. So yeah, Seth actually, uh, he reached out to me about you guys and potentially getting you on the podcast to chat. And I had literally within two weeks prior to that, uh, had been looking at your products. And so I was like, here I am as a regular Joe consumer interested in kind of the product, the the offering there, and then suddenly have an opportunity to talk with you guys. It was uh, it was an interesting timing. It's never worked out that way for me. So we get, you know, kind of pitched, if you will, a lot. I'm like, hey, let's get on your podcast and and push a product or what have you, which we don't typically ob- oblige to. But I think there's some interesting things to chat about. And I'm excited to do it. Yeah. You know, sometimes the stars just align, I guess. Yeah, right. So, uh, as we'll talk about, you know, uh, firearm storage, safety, security, things like that here in a bit. But uh, before we dive into that, who are you? Kind of share some, you know, background context for who we're talking to and kind of how Securit got started. All right. Uh, my personal background is I was a, came out of high school as a professional guitar player for, played in uh, various heavy metal bands and uh, <laughs> played around the Northeast and out in California. Awesome. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy start, but uh I developed, I had this chronic tendonitis in my arms and I just, I couldn't play professionally anymore. So I got into sales and uh, got in the internet early on in the late nineties, developing websites. I started a small business selling computer supplies and that grew into a decent little company, started developing websites and uh, started selling tape racks, the big metal racks for holding computer backup tape, which was a big thing way back then. Yeah. And, I created about 50 different websites for all these different products. And that one started getting hits in Yahoo, which was the big search engine of the day. And we started, just started playing with the internet and, and e-commerce. And um, it was kind of the wild, wild west back then. And we became probably the largest supplier of tape racks and tape security products in the U.S. 
and that morphed into laptop storage cabinets when the HIPAA laws were all came out in early 2000. You had to lock up personal data. You know, hospitals had to lock up all their hard drives. We started making laptop uh, security cabinets, which are pretty cool, you know, charging, you know, remote access cabinets. And a guy called and said, hey, can you store an MP5? And I'm like, sure. What's an MP5? <laughs> and uh, he said, well, it's a little machine gun. I started laughing. I go, who is this? And he was with the FBI. That was 2000, late 2001, early 2002. And I'm, so I'm sure we could. I'd never considered firearms weapon storage and started looking at it. And very quickly in doing my research, realized the military was facing a big problem. They're transitioning from the M16 a very standardized battle rifle, 39 and a half inches, they're all the same. Going to the M4, which was far more modular, um, there's a lot of different things you can do with an M4 that the military does. It's more of a going from a rifle to a weapon system. And all their storage really didn't work well. So we started looking at developing weapon racks for the military. I worked with a company that was making my laptop cabinets, and we worked together. They were a Canadian firm. Um, worked with them for several years and that kind of just didn't go the direction I wanted to. So we developed our own system. Um, we were, we had a contract with us army special forces to survey their armories and give them a report as to why their armories were performing so poorly. And it was during that time, it was about 18 month contract. We traveled all over the country and had just access that civilians don't normally get into these armories and we did, that's, during that time, we developed the cradle grid technology, that system. Um, at the time, that was the tactical weapon storage platform, later named cradle grid, and presented it to them in a, in a report at Fort Bragg, and they loved it. And within a handful of years, we were the largest supplier to the U.S. military for weapon storage systems and building armories. You know, the humorous side to it is, you know, we weren't gun storage people. We were laptop storage people, but there, no, there was nobody in that space. Um, there were some guys, some companies that were making racks, but they were, you know, they were office storage companies. There was a, there was a company that made industrial warehouse cabinets. There wasn't, there was no experts. We kind of went into this um, and just said, Hey, we're secure. We're the leading authority on small arms storage. And we just kind of made it up and they said, okay. And, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> and it, it, well, we, we, we submitted a bid for this arms room assessment contract and we were up against, you know, guys like L3, Harry, I mean, big defense contractors. And we just said, you know, I just said, Tom Kubik considered the leading authority on small arm storage and armory design. We just put that, we just bullshitted it. I mean, just put it out there and we had nothing to lose. We were a three person company and we won the contract. Uh, we did back it up though with, doing a lot of research and we really invested that that 18 months was, I was on the road most of the time and we really immersed ourselves in that world. And we became the experts during, during that contract. Yeah. I think it's good too. Like you take a lot of uh, industries or products and outsiders can shake things up. Right. So, you know, as, as we'll talk about, you think a gun safe and everybody knows what a gun safe is and what it looks like and how it's structured and how it's built uh, and your products different than that. And getting a different perspective can be a good thing. Absolutely. You know, people always say, wow, they looked at our system, say, well, you guys are really thinking outside the box. I'm saying, you know, we didn't know there was a box because we, we, we came at it having not seen how a weapon rack looked in the military. You know, we had no framework. Once you see something and you want to change it, you're kind of always 
it changes how you look at things by coming at it totally from the outside. You can, you end up being more creative than just to take this forward quickly. When sequestration hit under the Obama years, um, you know, we were a very fast growing company. We were doing, we were just companies growing like crazy and uh, sequestration hit. That was the forced military cutbacks. And we, we got killed. I mean, we went five months without a single order. Um, just bleeding cash, making payroll, and the company I ended up laying off most of the people, and we went back down to probably a five-person company. But it was at that time your back's against the wall. I'd sold off most of my personal assets, and we we're like, "Honey, we got to sell the house." We just weren't sure what the future looked like. But that's when we made the decision to go into retail. We had never considered it, and started looking at gun safes, and we're like, "Holy cow, these things are awful," and like. And we're looking at what we've been doing with the military. And it's like, oh, my God, this, you know, this industry needs to change. And we decided to change our focus and really focus on changing the way American civilians think about firearm storage. Mm. Yeah. So obviously we're we're going to talk about the residential products. And it's it's good to hear that, you know, it's coming from a military background and origin. But to be just frank, I've personally been very frustrated by the idea of gun safes um, and essentially what you get for the money oftentimes where, you know, they're, they're big, they're hard to move, which is a good thing. <laughs> Clearly you don't want them walking away. Um, but, you know, kind of the usability of them can be trouble uh, in years past, like um, dealing with a, a family member who had a quote unquote good safe, but it was from a big box store. They had issues with their lock. And then I went to go help them. And I, once I took that thing apart, the door mechanism and looked at the lock and all how it was built, I was like shocked in a very negative way, uh, just what was actually going on there and how not secure things were, right? <laughs> for yeah. for a decent yeah. amount of money. Um, and it just kind of, you know, it got me thinking um, about different options and then uh, to lead forward to, again, my personal discovery of your products before uh, I was approached by you guys, it was there's a, a situation where I was trying to help uh, someone else with um, some storage and they were tied on space. And that's honestly what led me look into uh, discovering you guys was trying to figure out some good kind of security and concealment for their application that was also tied on space. But let's start with the kind of, let's start here before we get into products. Yeah. What? Because again, you guys have done the research and you've looked at things. I want to understand, you guys have looked at the data. What does a typical kind of like break-in and robbery even look like? Meaning, when's it occurring? How much time are they spending in the home? What locations are they targeting within a home? What have you? Because I think if we start there, that kind of helps understand some some good and bad about storage and uh, security solutions there. That's and that's the exact the correct place to start. Um, you have to look at it is why do you own firearms? If you're if you own firearms, and most people while they hunt, they may sport shoot. Home defense is part of that question, part of the part of the equation. And the first thing you look at is what is the threat? What what, what do I need to protect myself from? There's a handful of things. You want to a make sure your guns aren't used against you. You want to make sure your guns aren't stolen or accidentally used. Um, against people in your family, you know, accidental discharges. So the guns have to be locked. Our position is locked out of sight. So, so now we look at break-ins. We pull a lot of FBI crime data and we put together, there's several articles on our website that talk about this. Most of break-ins occurred during the day. 
Thieves are in and out of your home in less than nine minutes. Uh, the targets are master bathroom, master bedroom, home office den, dining room, and they're gone. The, the, the number one goal is drugs, is prescription drugs. They're quick, easy, and they know where they are. They're, they're in the master bathroom, typically. They'll do a quick run through a master bedroom looking for jewelry and valuables. Then they'll hit dining room or like a home office den where there's things that they can get that are easily sellable, easily they can turn into, into quick cash. They're not looking to spend much time in your home. And um, typically gun safes are ignored in, in this type of a, in the most common type of crime. So when you look at storing firearms in your home, you know, the worst place to store a firearm is your master bedroom. You know, in our decentralized storage principles, we recommend one, one firearm. If there's a husband, wife, and they're both shooters, one per, like in a fast access safe, like our fast box, there's several in the market right next to your bed, one on each side, but no more than that. Um, as you work through a house from a, from, a, from a location standpoint, where do you store guns that make sense? Well, if a thief is breaking in, they've got more time. If they're, at, if, they, if they're after a safe, if that's their motive, they're going to come in, they're going to spend a little more time. A big traditional gun safe will typically go in the basement. It'll go, now the ads, I love these ads. They show the ad with the big, huge safe with the beautiful lettering and the cowboy, whatever the, you know, wild, wild west theme to it or Americana next to a fireplace and a pool table, you know, as this, as this showpiece of like this beautiful safe. And I'm looking at it going, are you out of your mind? I mean, you're telling everybody, all my stuff is right here. And, you know, a, thief, a professional thief who knows what he's doing will have that safe opened in, in minutes. And they're, they're going to ignore the door. They simply, cut it, they simply cut it open. And we can talk, we'll get more into that, um, the ease with which you can cut into a safe. Uh, but with our system, we look at best places to store guns are kitchen, kitchen pantry, Closet, coat closet, front hall, you know, front closet next to your front door, very secure room. Thieves ignore these places. Um, den is not a very, it's not a particularly secure room. However, you spend a lot of time there. One, if you're doing your whole home with firearms, one or two firearms, a guest bedroom, a bedroom that you're not using. If you make it up with a bed, nightstand, a chair, one piece of generic art on the wall and not much else in the room in the closet in that bedroom is extremely secure. A thief who's spending a little more time running the house, he's still going to open that door, look and say, oh, guest room. He's not going to waste his time. The one thing they don't have is time. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. The things that they target and then the things that they look over. Um, go ahead and talk about like the big, the big safes. Like to me, once again, they have an appearance of being secure, but I've the, the deeper I've gotten into them and looked at research and things like that, I think there's some false security there. Like, yes, they're big, they're bulky, they can be heavy. Uh, that provides an appearance, but as you said, they you know can be easily defeated. And again, we're talking with enough time that essentially anyone can get into anything. Um, but what what does that really look like? As you said, if a thief's truly targeting access uh, towards firearms in a safe, what does that typically look like? Uh, it's fast. It's really fast. Now, this, the gun safe industry, I'll say they, they are locked forever in the 1940s, 1950s. And what they produce, and they've never changed, um, 
is is made to that threat level. And this, you will look at the security sticker on the door. All the gun safes sold in America, with very rare exception, are UL Class RSC. That's the class. Now, UL Underwriters Laboratory was created by the insurance industry when electricity was going into homes in the late 1800s. Insurance companies were very worried about fire and this unknown thing, electricity. So they created UL as an independent lab to test electrical components to make sure houses were safe and they could rate fire insurance policies. They also added safes. Back in the 1800s, safes were the the way of securing things, even in banks. And banks wanted insurance and jewelry stores wanted insurance. So UL also incorporated safe ratings. And there's a UL class A, B, C, there's a TL series, there's a whole bunch of different series for rating safes. The gun safe industry started to grow in the 1970s, and they wanted a UL rating. They were being asked, insurance companies wanted to know, and people wanted to say, you know, how secure are these? So they actually created a new rating called RSC, Residential Security Container. You'll notice the word safe isn't part of it. UL would not allow the use of the word safe because these did not meet the minimum performance to be called a safe. And the actual certification of a class RSC, which is all your liberties, all your Fortnite, all these, you know, 99% of the safes sold in America is it'll block access from one person for five minutes with a pry bar of less than 18 inches, a hammer of less than three pounds, and a small hand drill. Well, think about that. That is a 1950s, 1960s threat. You know, that's like Batman. It's just, you know, a guy with a mask and a hammer, and it just, it's kind of silly. We flash forward to today. You take a circular saw, and we've got videos. I've got my skill saw I bought in 1989 when I bought my first uh, condo. My wife and I got married, and I still have that saw. And then you buy a modern carbide blade. The blades are made for cutting rebar at, uh, for cement contractors. They cut up the half-inch rebar all day long with a basic circular saw. And we took a Liberty Fatboy Jr. I cut the thing completely in half in a minute, 18 seconds. And then we demonstrated if you, if you just want access, I just cut a 12-inch f- oh, by 12-inch hole in the side in under 20 seconds. These saw blades go through safes like butter. And going even to a plate steel, it marginally slows you down. Again, the blades are designed to cut through half-inch thick steel rebar all day long. And they're amazingly efficient. The safe industry is not changing. And it's very frustrating. And we're trying to drive them, force them into a different way of doing things. And you know, we're a very small company. We're growing very quickly. We are listed, we're listed with Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing companies in America. Um, just trying to bring this concept. And then it gets so bad. And I don't want to bash on an industry. When we first decided to go into the retail space, we knew nothing about it. My first thought was, let's partner up with safe manufacturers, license our technology, let them build the safes because we don't know anything about safes. We're, we're you know, we, we build military cabinets, which are lightweight modular cabinets and let them deal with it. So I met with several of America's largest safe manufacturers. And after those meetings, I came back and I'm like, guys, we can't do this. We've, we've got to do something different. And that's when we made the decision to start developing civilian firearm storage based on everything we knew and all of our experience from the military. Because these guys were 
It was, I mean, it was shocking. I, at first I, they came, I'm, I'm sitting there at a boardroom with all these senior guys and I'm, and they say, well, Tom, your kit in our safe only holds 12 guns. And I said, well, that's what your safe holds. <laughs> and yeah. they say, that's a, that's a 40 gun safe. I said, there's no, you're, look, that's crap. You're safe. You know, your safe does not hold 40 guns. And their head of sales, national sales said, well, that's our industry's little white lie. And I just looked at him. He said, look, it's a 40 gun safe. Our competitors have a safe that they say it's 42. The consumer is going to be shopping saying, do you want a 40 gun safe or a 42 gun safe for roughly the same price? So buy the 42. The guy is saying, our customers aren't very bright and we'll put, put a bigger number on there and they'll buy the bigger number. Everybody knows that a gun safe won't hold its capacity. Everybody knows that. Yet we accept it. As an industry, it's been going on for so long. I always tell people, if you bought some 30-round magazines, got home, and they only hold 22 rounds, would you accept it or would you return them? You'd probably return them. Hmm. Gun safes, we've kind of accepted it. Uh, now, you have that meeting, it's, you know, the corporate meetings, and those guys are polished, and they've, they're, they're good at what they do. And they are, you know, we're having, and I realized pretty early on, this is going nowhere for, for secure it. But then they give you the plant tour, which I would say, oh, yeah, I'd love to see a plant. Just see how you guys do things. And I'm, I'm kind of playing into it. And the plant tour is done with a plant manager or a production manager, not a polished corporate guy. And I talked to him just as a, as a uh, you know, my background is all sort from construction to all sorts of jobs I had uh, back in my music days. So I talked about what he's doing, kind of get going, build some rapport. And they share everything. So I started you know, pumping them for information. This is one of America's largest safe companies. I started asking about the interiors. The interior of a safe is designed to sell the safe empty. It's designed to look good empty. When they put safes in a dealer, safe dealer, or in a retail space, all those you know, customers come by shopping, they're opening doors. What is the purchase decision being made on? Well, weight maybe, maybe color, but they look in the inside and they look at what looks good with no perspective. There's no guns in there. And that's what their focus is. You know, we tried at one point to sell our safes in some dealers and we didn't get good results at all because our safes don't look good empty. They're Mm. not designed to look good empty. They're designed to actually hold guns. When you take a safe and you fill it full of guns, you take my cabinet, fill it full of guns. I can sell cabinets all day long against safes. It's just that safe dealers don't do that. You know, at the SHOT Show, we, for many years, we went to the SHOT Show. We were the only storage company that had every one of our cabinets maxed out to capacity with firearms. The safe industry, they're all empty because they have to be. And it's that mindset. They're, they're not, you know, our core principle, our core values is doing what's right for the warfighter to make the warfighter better prepared. And these are the guys that go into combat, risk their lives. So we've got our freedom. Our mission is to make sure from a storage and armory standpoint, when a sniper goes into combat, his rifle performs perfectly, does not need to be re-zeroed. It is stored in a manner where it performs perfectly. He has one shot. He has to make it. And it goes across all branches of the military and in uh, every level of operator, firearms have to work. So that's, that's our mindset. So we look at the consumer market. We're trying to bring the same thing to the consumer market, the core function is to properly store a firearm so that it is safe and performs properly and will perform properly every time you grab it. Yeah. Going back to 
kind of the security aspect, you're talking about kind of how easy it is and it, how easy it is to get into these big safes, you know, guys will then look at your product and have the question, well, what's different here? Right. Like, so what's different with secure it? Um, and I, I think I know like, what are some of the, some of the advantages there and then some of what's similar, but what's your answer to that question? It's, I get this all the time because, because I'm pretty critical of the safe industry. It, it really, it really ticks me off because I do believe that they are just blowing smoke up people's butts with, with their statements. Um, However, I get the, the, the pushback that when I post a video is, yeah, that's great, Tom, but what about your product? Show me how your product does with, a, with one of these uh, carbide saw blades. Well, you're going to cut my safe in half too. That's not, I mean, metal boxes, safes are not, are not a defense against modern technology, modern tools. Secrecy is. Now, we did make what we call the true safe. It was a double-walled steel safe filled with a concrete composite that truly defeats a saw blade. The concrete de- defeats a carbide blade. The steel defeats the cement blade. It's, it's, it was an amazing safe. It just is, it's too heavy to put in your home. It is still being sold through a dealer. We stopped selling it ourselves, just the logistics of moving it. We didn't have the equipment in our warehouse to deal with it, so we it's still being produced and it's sold through a company called Safe and Vault and they, they, they OEM'd it or we OEM it to them. We're all about lightweight modular storage and you're far better off to locate guns in places where people don't look than you are to put a safe out in the open or put a safe someplace saying, I dare you to get into it. I'm going to open it. With our system, it allows you to store guns in discrete locations. And as we talked about before, the best locations from a home defense, and I went through some of them very quickly, are also, you know, they're the safest places as well because thieves don't look there. And if you decentralize, that's one of our big uh, points is decentralized storage. If you've got a great big gun safe with 20 guns in it, break that up into three or four smaller cabinets. You got A, guns are located where, where you need them when you need them. Also, in the event you've got a thief in your home for a weekend, you're gone and they're running the whole house. And this is extremely rare that something like this happens. But, you know, we, you work for these contingencies. If you've got a big gun safe, they're going to find it. They will get it open. You're going to lose everything in it. If you've, got de- if you've decentralized your storage into, let's say, five cabinets located throughout your home, they may find one and they'll probably get into it. And you're going to lose the contents of the one. But once they've found something of value, they leave because now the clock is against them. They're looking through your home. They're looking for valuables. They're a thief. That's what they want. And they're, 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 the more time in the home they spend, the more risk that they are taking. But they don't want to leave empty handed. Once they come across, they come across one of your cabinets, they get four guns, let's say. Now they say, holy cow, I've got something I can, this is something I can sell. They leave because now they're, they're, They've got what they wanted. Any more time in that in that home is really a much greater risk for them. So you've lost a few guns, but you haven't lost all of them. That also plays in the case of a fire. You know, fire ratings on gun safes is 100% nonsense. And there's a lot of data out that supports that. If anybody listening, is a, Google... Is there a standard? So like, obviously I've, you know, seen shopping for myself. It's like, oh, this one's 90 minute rated or what have you. But is that an, an independent standard? UL 
has a class rating for fire safes. It's a UL class, uh, class 350, class one hour, 350, two hour, 350, three hours. And that is a, the n- amount of time a safe at, I think it's 1400 degree heat will maintain a temperature below 350 degrees. I know of no gun safes that are built to that standard, to the UL fire rated standard. I've never seen one. They may, there's some TL rated safes that have a f- pretty strong fire rating, but a TL rated safe for guns is far too heavy to go onto a wooden floor. You cannot move it. You're talking thousands of pounds require special equipment and they're really not, it's not practical for, for use. Um, the industry stickers on the doors is, is nonsense. Now, Years ago, I went to China and I met with several safe manufacturers and we thought, let's make our own safe. Well, most safes sold in America are made in China. And I went, I, I'd met with the U.S. manufacturers and really didn't like what, where we were there. So I went to China and to see if I could get them to produce something to my specifications. And I'm looking at safes and these were, they had stack on safes there, which stack on is no longer, they were, they were sold to, I think, Canon. But all these safes and they've all got 60 minute rating on the door. And I'm talking to the, uh, the manufacturer's rep. I said, could you guys do a 90-minute rating? And he looked at me. I said, look, if we're going to do a safe, I got to be different. I've got to do something more. I said, could you do a safe for the 90-minute? He goes, absolutely. I go, what would you do different? And he, he kind of looked at me. I said, and we were working with a translator. He was broken English. And I was like, how would they, what differences would they do? I'm trying to explain it. And he said, oh, we would change a sticker on the door. I said, no, inside the safe. Did it go 90 minutes? He goes, no, we would change the sticker. I said, do you do any testing? No. Do you, does this safe actually last an hour? He's like, I don't know. They, you know, the U S companies ask us to make these and they tell us a sticker to put on it. There is no testing. There's absolutely no testing. If you Google California wildfires, gun safe, there's a ton of stories. When those fires ripped through California years ago, there's no gun safes that survived. When you look at the testing done where the independent tests done on some of the U.S. manufacturers, U.S. company makes a safe. They design a test that they know they can pass. They give it to an outside company. Here's the test to run on this safe. They run it. They pass it, and they get their independent certified sticker. Now, here's, here's the, the, how you pass these tests, because I can pass these tests with virtually no insulation in a safe. They put a safe into an oven. They bring the temperature up to 1200 degrees. There's temp probes in the safe and they just wait. And they wait for until as the temp slowly comes up in the safe, once it gets above 350 degrees, which is when wood starts to deteriorate, paper starts to burn. Boom. That's your rating. It's a pretty easy standard to make. If you're baking a pizza at home, your oven's at 450, 500 degrees, open the oven, and just put your hand in there, hold it in the hot air. It's not burning you. You can hold your hand in there for a long time before it gets too hot and starts to burn. It'll be minutes and minutes. I mean, it can go quite a long time. And that's what those safes are. They're in ovens, nothing's moving. Now take the exhaust from a jet engine. Let's say it's at 600, 500 degrees, same temperature, going 60, 70 miles an hour. Put your hand in front of it. You'll have third degree burns in in less than a second. It'll It'll rip the skin off your hands. It's so fast. A home fire, in a fire, a violent fire, a fully engaged fire, the air in a home is moving in excess of 60 miles an hour. It rips through these safes in minutes. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're not going to stop that. However, the other side of it is, and we don't worry about it. 
because the actual risk of fire, now guns say sell big on fire rating, how important it is. The actual risk of fire in your home is extremely low and getting lower every year. We look at a lot of data and all this data is collected by the insurance industry because they're doing fire insurance policies and they have a ton of data available. The odds of your of a, of a house fire in your home is extremely rare. Of the fires that do occur, almost 90% occur in the kitchen and the fire is contained within the pot or within the oven. The insurance claim, which is why the data exists, is because of smoke damage. The bulk of all financial insurance claims for fire is smoke. Actual heat structural related damage is extremely rare in a fire. And when it does occur, it's typically human related, smoking, candles, carelessness, and it occurs within the corner of a room. If you live in a city with a professional, a paid firefighting force, response time to your home is probably three minutes, three to five. I live in a small town, volunteer firefighting force. It's 11 minutes. Anybody, you can call your local fire department, give them your address, and they'll tell you the response time because the insurance industry requires that, that they know it when they write insurance policies, fire insurance policies. They always ask you, how far are you from your fire department? Because they know the response time. So the odds of your home burning to the ground is so rare. I'm not sure it makes a lot of, it makes sense to, to, to consider that when you're looking at storage for firearms. And the safes that are out there that boast all about fire ratings, they're not going to survive anyhow. If you're truly worried about fire, if you want your guns to be safe, buy a, a military surplus used Connex, a Tricon, a Quadcon. These are these small shipping containers the military uses. They're watertight metal boxes and bury one in your backyard and make a bunker. I guarantee your guns will be safe in any fire but the odds of your home burning down are so rare. I, I don't worry about it. I carry insurance on my firearms. And, you know, if I had a fire in my home, it'd be in my kitchen most likely. And it's not going to get to my guns. That's, this is uh, obviously not related to your product or anything, but you mentioned it made me uh, curious about it. What do you recommend or what's been your experience insuring firearms? I don't Personally, I haven't looked into it, but I know there's, I'm sure there's listeners who are kind of there's, questioning that they have their, you know, custom hunting rifle. That's thousands and thousands of dollars, maybe several of them. Uh, what would you recommend to look at there? I, you know, everybody, every insurance, talk to your, the guy who does your homeowner's policy, your homeowner's insurance and ask them about firearms. They will either give you a questionnaire to fill out and give you insurance, or they will refer you to a company they work with that does. I like to keep insurance on homes and things. I like to keep it fairly consolidated. So in the event of a problem, I've got one phone call to make to my agent and he takes care of everything. The NRA used to do a, I'm not that, I don't, we used to do a lot with the NRA. We were a corporate sponsor. We've kind of moved away from them. Um, I don't want to get into an NRA issue here, but we've just, we're no longer offering a whole lot of support Part of their mission is is extremely good. Part of it has just gotten too too I don't know wonky, if you will. The some of the power struggles within that organization, but I do believe they offer a firearms insurance. A lot of people don't want to list all their firearms. I understand that they don't want to, but if you want to insure your firearms, somebody needs to know what they are. Um, the insurance companies. And I know that's from a security standpoint. You don't want to, you know. You don't want it out there that uh, you've got 35 or whatever the quantity is, but I would start with homeowners insurance and just kind of go from there. 
Okay. Got it. So you kind of touched on, uh, you know, security, fire placements of safes, um, things like that. So moving beyond that, you really hinted at it up front, talked about it on the military side, their needs for storage of different weapon platforms, and then essentially what you guys developed there. Um, So talk a bit about internal within the product, uh, accessibility, uh, flexibility, kind of the modularity aspect of, you know, firearm storage there and the benefits of essentially the, the structure you have inside of your products. Yeah, what we do is extremely simple. And I always, I start all my military, if I'm doing a presentation to a large military group, I always start off with the same, it's kind of an icebreaker. And I would say, hey guys, if you've got a junk drawer in your kitchen, most people do. All the crap ends up in that one drawer. Typically, what do you have in there? A pair of pliers, a screwdriver, maybe some zip ties or some tape. You keep the simplest tools handy because with those, you can solve the most problems. And everybody agrees. Cradle Grid, our, our, our gun storage platform, is the simplest tool. You know, it's, if you walk in my office, you're going to see a big sign in secure. It says, innovate and simplify. Anybody can make things more complex. But, you know, really the, the, the magic of getting things right is simplicity. I think Apple with their iPad, when it came out, no instruction manual. And you may or may not like Apple, but it was simple to use and learn. And we've developed a system that is extremely simple, yet very, very effective. And it's fully flexible, fully adjustable in terms of how it holds firearms. Firearms nowadays are a wide variety of lengths and form factors. The military has probably the widest. We go from, you know, an M4 rifle, MP5s, even some little Beretta Storms on up to a Carl Gustav and shoulder launch um, anti-tank systems. Our whole system relies on one moving part, our upper cradle. And it's designed so it holds a rifle barrel, it holds a, a grip, it can hold a mag well. There's a lot of, it's hard to show in a, in a obviously in a, in a radio format or podcast format. Uh, but it's fully adjustable vertically on how you hold the gun. The base of the cabinet is adjustable where you put the stock of the gun. Some of the reasons, we, I mean, the, the biggest reason is, A, you want to hold a rifle in a way that it's free and clear. Optics are never touching other guns. Guns are never touching each other. We use the term straight line access. So you open up the door of any of our cabinets, one arm, one gun. You remove a gun, you put it back. In the military, like, Marine Corps is required to keep, or I'm sorry, the Army is required to keep their cabinets locked at all times. They unlock a cabinet with one hand, remove a rifle, and then close it back up and lock it with the other hand. They're never digging through. And same thing with a consumer, they're safe. You should never be digging through a pile of guns to get to the one you need. And that's the problem with gun safes is they're far too deep. And they layer the guns in that you basically, you're just kind of packing them in. The storage solution they do is a bunch of little W's. If they can fit 40 W's in the little, you know, the little fiber board with leather on it, then the, the safe holds 40 guns, even though we know it doesn't. Our system is shallow, one row of guns. Guns are two and seven eighths on barrel center, which gives you, with how the system works, up to a five inch diameter, diameter thermal imaging optic. So we can store virtually any size scope where the scopes are never touching. And then it's the, the other piece of that is, is gear. In the military, for us now, the guns are easy. 
It's the gear, the volume of high value gear. And these are the things that need to be stored in armories from thermal imaging to IR illuminators to uh, ranging. There's all sorts of technology coming into these weapon systems. It all gets stored in the armory. So our system allows you to integrate gear storage in you know, all around your firearms. Uh, SEAL teams and special forces, their M4s have, it's called the SOP mod kit. I think it's 13 different components that go with those guns from lights to optics. There's a lot of stuff there and they'll kit out their gun for whatever the mission is, but they're not using everything. So our system allows that the rifle stands vertical in the, in the cabinet and right behind each rifle is bins with all those components. So all the components are indexed to that rifle consumer world. If you're building AR 15s, I mean, I've got several, I like to build my own. Well, you end up with lots of parts. You end up with, you're trying things out, different gas blocks, different triggers. Well, I store my AR-15s and right behind them are all the extra parts or different parts for those guns. I keep specialty tools in a bin behind the rifle that it goes to specifically. I've got some odd caliber rifles. I don't shoot often, but I do take them to the range. I keep small quantities of ammunition with those rifles stored right behind them in a bin. It's that ability to integrate gear and guns because in the consumer market, the volume of gear is growing and it's growing fast. There's so much coming out now and down the road for the uh, sport shooter um, and for hunters. So we look at that as, as, a, as a real plus for us and kind of where we're going in the future of how do we develop better gear storage? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously there's uh, there's hunters listening to this that have thousands of dollars wrapped up in optics, right? Spotting scopes, binoculars, what have you. And if they want to throw those behind a lock, that's a, that'd be a good way to do it with that modularity there. Right. It, it is, you know, we always, you know, with, with the rifles, I always comes back to, you know, we teach about firearms, about respect. I've got three kids. They've all been taught um, properly, you know, respect for firearms. Well, I always say respect doesn't end when you close the door. Cause I look at a gun safe and they close, once you close that door, there's no respect for those firearms in a traditional safe. If they're all packed in jammed up against each other in an in environment that really is corrosive. Um, if you look at the materials, and then you look at what we do is, again, we bring a military mindset. Now, a, gun, a, a consumer gun safe would not be allowed in a military armory. Um, and the main reason is corrosion. It's got materials in it that you can't use. A, a civilian gun safe would never be allowed in a museum. We do a lot of museums, um, relics, you know, vintage firearms, relic firearms. And they love our system because it is, you know, we are considered... Uh, there's a term for it, museum approved, but it's our system doesn't off gas. It doesn't corrode. You're not going to damage wood stocks. Gun safes are banned because of the, the materials inside a gun safe are specifically called out and banned for use in most museums. Uh, formaldehyde being the big one. Hmm. You know, traditional gun safes, they sell millions of dollars in devices to stop corrosion. You've got your, you know, your rods, your golden rods, your all sorts of electric things. Yeah, You've like got the desiccants. dehumidifier rods. Yeah, all those things. And uh, real quick, dehumidifier rods don't de dehumidify. It's really funny. It's, it's fascinating, but you they put warm, the rod right? in, it, right, it warms your safe up. Is it getting rid of humidity? No, but by raising the temperature, you're lowering the relative humidity. That's humidity relative to temperature. You raise the temperature, you lower relative humidity. Moisture's still there. Desiccants remove it. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend desiccants over those. But the underlying reason that there's so much money spent on those is corrosion is a real concern. Now in the military, they'll put they'll put you know dehumidifier in a big armory if they've got guys coming in with you know sweaty wet gear it's just to get because these are cement vaults. There's no windows. There's very little air circulation. But a gun that's properly cleaned and lubricated is not going to corrode. You know, my grandfather had guns in a wooden cabinet for 50 years. They never rusted. I've seen guns in restaurants for 25 years hanging above a fireplace. They're not corroding. The gun safe industry, it's a big, it's a big deal. And it's because the materials in a gun safe are corrosive. They use formaldehyde is in the glue. That, the, that rubberized cement they hold the carpeting in with. They use a, a rubbered soft cement so it stays flexible so it won't crack and the carpeting won't come loose. So it doesn't get mold or mildew. They, they put a lot of formaldehyde in it. Formaldehyde is used in drywall, which they call, they call it fireboard for their fire rating. It's drywall. Formaldehyde is used as a dispersing agent when making drywall. It's in the safe. And the last piece is in drywall, you've got pyrite. is naturally occurs in gypsum when they mine it and make drywall. That's fool's gold. It's, it's, it's fairly benign. In Chinese drywall, there's a lot more. Again, it's benign, except it's covered in a bacteria called ferrooxidin. Ferrooxidin is a family of bacteria that eat metal. Those bacteria are used in the mining industry to strip metal from low-grade ores. In a safe, though, in drywall, they slowly consume the pyrite. Now, in your home, it's not a big deal. There's enough air moving, things are going on. It's such a small amount. It doesn't, it, it has no impact. As they consume that, they release sulfuric and sulfurous acids in very small quantities, but it's there. And in a gun safe, a closed environment, that's the biggest source of corrosion. I'll tell anybody if you're shopping for a new gun safe, Go through a store. If a safe's been closed for you know, four or five days, a week or so, as you walk through the store, open a safe up slowly and just put your nose up and give it a sniff. You'll pick up a sulfur smell. That's sulfuric acid, sulfurous acids. Those are the two that are produced. And they are perhaps you know, two of the most corrosive acids against metal. It's there. And you know the gun safe industry doesn't care. That's the best I can tell. They don't need to use these materials. There's other materials available, but they know that the, in their opinion, the cheapest safe they can make is the one the consumer wants. Or as it's going now, you've got, you've had a big change in the last, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years in gun safes is gun safe companies had traditionally been owned by people who started them, who were firearms guys, who were, you know, whatever their background was. But now if you look at the largest gun safe companies, they're all owned by investment firms. A Liberty is owned by um, Diversified Compass, Compass Diversified Holdings. Canon purchased Stackon, which was a huge deal. Stackon was a big company. They do stuff beyond safes. And that was all done with uh, VC, with venture capital money. So these all these safe companies are beholden to Wall Street investors, which hey, is nothing wrong with capitalism. I'm a capitalist and there's nothing wrong with that. In this case, though, their focus is on generating a return for their investors. In the firearms industry, I think that's wrong. I think first and foremost, we have to take care of the firearms. We have to make sure things are safe and secure and stored properly. That's, that's core function one. If you can't do that, redesign your product so you can. And once you've achieved that, now 
is this profitable? Can we make it profitable? How do we how do we how do we make this so it works for consumers? Because again, in the military, everything that's going on in a consumer gun safe would not be allowed in a military armory. And you know, my background's coming from military. I, I look at civilians. I'm going, this is nuts. You know, I'm screaming at the top of the hill. What the hell? You know, what the hell is going on here? And <laughs> gun safe industry, they just don't care. And you know, they're not, it's not gun people in that industry any longer. I think at one point maybe it was. And so much of our industry on the boutique, the small level, the small manufacturers, these are all companies or stores or gun shops that were started by people who are passionate about the industry. And you see it in everything they do. But in the case of storage, it's, it's just the opposite. And it's completely lost. The whole industry has just lost focus with why it is supposed to exist. You have a... Uh... Guys can go check out the website and see a bunch about products and you have some good videos and product explanations there, but just to quickly touch on like high level differences is one of the kind of the early questions I had when I discovered your website again, before we were in contact is you look at the multi-gun storage solutions for long guns. Um, and there's kind of two different series. You have like the answer and the agile. Can you just kind of quickly explain the high level differences between those two categories there? Yeah, it's, I run it. To, we got Fastbox Agile Answer, and Fastbox is just a very simple, small, lightweight cabinet bolts under your bed. It's used in law enforcement in the back of cruisers. Holds a rifle, very fast access. The Agile cabinet, and that's our number one seller by far, is ultralight firearm storage cabinet. It holds six guns. There's a couple different sizes. They're stackable. They're modular. You buy what you need. You bolt them together or locate them throughout your home. And then the answer cabinet is an all-welded um, cabinet, similar to a more traditional gun safe. However, there's no drywall. There's none of the BS. It's, it's finished in and out, all steel. And it's also shallower. Again, they're also designed so you can put them in closets. Our largest, which is the answer 12, a 12-gun cabinet, has a double-door system, which we developed that in order to keep the cabinet shallow and not take up space. One of the reasons gun safes are so deep and depth with firearm storage is works against you. Once you start storing guns deep, you're in this mode of digging through guns. And that's when most of your damage occurs. You're putting stuff in the ground, trying to get to the one you want. Gun safes are really deep to offset the weight of the door. It's not for storage capacity. They can make them wider, but they use one big heavy door. When that door swings out, if the safe isn't deep, it can actually create a tip hazard where the safe can tip forward. Gun safes doors are super heavy because if you look at the brochures of most of your big gun safes, when you read the security section, it's focused almost 100% on the door. We've got this many bolts, corner bolts, plate steel, drill plates, all these things they talk about on their door so that you cannot pry this door open. They show videos of their competitors' safes. Hey, look, these two big gorillas pried this safe open in five minutes or whatever it is. And they say, and you can't do that with ours. And these doors weigh a ton. A professional thief ignores the door and simply cuts the side open. You know, these big heavy safes, the actual gauge of steel is the same steel we're using. We've just left out the drywall, the carpeting, all the BS. And our interior is identical to what we do with um, all of our military fighting forces, all the military armors we build. Hmm. Yeah. One of the Cool things I realized and didn't initially know this existed. And honestly, if I went back a year, I wish I would have, 
is uh in my home office slash kind of gear room i uh wanted to utilize wall space as best as possible and so i, I went to uh using like a garage track system but you guys actually sell what is essentially the back panels of the safe which is the core of the modularity you're talking about before the core of your military systems and you can essentially by just those panels, secure them, apply them how you want. And now you have a lot of modularity. I was looking at that, not for firearm storage, because it would be open, but more for like reloading gear and bins and hanging up bows and optics. And that alone is like a, a pretty interesting system. It's, it's, uh, we have our, I mean, there's a lot of people know us for the video. We, we did a video building our gun room here, our vault here. And the video has, I don't know, it's over a million views. It's a very popular video and we sell, at 1.30% of our sales was panels for building gun rooms and building storage like you're saying. And it works really, really well. Um, and we've got a lot of people. We've done a lot of bunker rooms. We worked with a couple of companies that make safe rooms. And we'd line the, the safe room with our system because it's, yes, we have all the components to store guns, very simple. But you can also go to Home Depot and buy stuff that fits on this. You know, it's, it's pretty open architecture and allows you to do a lot of stuff. A humorous project, and if my wife listens to this, she'll get mad at me, but she's so far banned me, but I'm going to do it. We got a walk-in pantry. She's got she's all the food, all the stuff. It's on shelves and spices. And it's just, in my opinion, it's kind of a mess. <laughs> I want to I take and put our cradle grid system on one wall and, and do all of our spices with the big bins we use. And the idea being, this is, you know, everybody stores spices by, you know, alphabetical. I say, no, store them by what you cook. So you're going to have a big bin for doing um, barbecue and ribs and rubs. You have a bin for bake, for her baking, cooking, whatever she's making, but it's got all the ingredients, all the specialty ingredients in that one bin. So you just take the whole bin, go out, do your thing and put it back. Um, so we're looking at, not ready, in a couple of years from now, looking at this whole wall system and uh, looking at other other places to use it because I've got it in my garage. I've got it in my shop. Um, we've got it here in several locations. One other component I'll reference back to the firearm storage is our bin system. You know, we presented that the U S army special forces. We didn't know if they were going to like it, laugh at us or, or kick us out. And they absolutely loved it. It's extremely simple, just big injection molded bins for holding gear. If you're, if you're dealing with a lot of firearms and do, and you do maintenance yourself like handguns, the bins are, they, they hold liquid, they're watertight. I've got, you've got handguns and you're doing maintenance on them. I hang it on the wall in my safe. I then take the whole bin out, go to my bench, do any work I want. If I build the gun, the gun goes back into that bin and is stored back in that, in the cabinet when I'm done. All your components, everything you're doing stays together within the bin. And a lot of different things from optics, again, to handguns, to AR-15 builds, the ability to store all the components together in your secure environment is very beneficial because as opposed to, you know, here's my cabinet with my guns. Here's, I got, you know, in my, in my shop, I've got, you know, cleaning supplies here, this over, you know, everything gets all spread out and I'm not the world's most organized guy. If I do it that way, I end up not being able to find stuff. Hmm, very cool. Thomas has been good. Uh, the website is securitgunstorage.com. Is that correct? That's correct. If, if people just Google the word secure it, they'll uh -huh. see the website. They'll see videos. We've got a very popular YouTube channel. I do a live um, gun lunch with Tom every other Friday. I'll be live this Friday. Um, that's That'll be advertised on our website. But that's a uh, hour to hour and a half 
I'm basically I'm having lunch live, answering questions. We get a lot of people just posting questions and just having a conversation about storage, the industry, and kind of what's going on in the world right now. Huh. That's interesting. You guys do that through YouTube? It's a YouTube live and uh, we're trying to look at a few other a few other options for you know, for me, the best thing I can do is talk to my customers, talk to people, learn more. I don't, you know, I'm an expert at military weapon storage. I'm really good at designing and building things to store firearms, but I'm not an expert in a lot of other areas. And talking to consumers, talking to avid shooters is the best thing I can do. So we're trying to look at ways of how do I make myself more available for direct one-on-one conversations with people. That's great. Tom, I uh, appreciate the time for sure. It's uh, like I said, kind of a, a perfect timing of you guys reaching out and personal interest on my end. So glad we could uh, get it together and make it happen and best of luck to you guys. And for sure, we'll include uh, links to the website and all that. And hopefully the listeners get some benefit out of uh, checking out the products. Thank you very much. Yes, it's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. If anybody listening, if you have questions, our customer services, uh, those guys are just, they're the bomb. You know, never hesitate to ask a question. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and learned something from it. Once again, there are links in the show description if you want to learn more about Securit or those other resources that we mentioned in this episode. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically.